Hello, Aaron here, and welcome to a special re-release of our episode with this year's Omaha Reads author, Timothy Shoffert. Every year, Omaha Public Library invites the community to nominate and then vote on one book that they think all of Omaha should read and discuss. And we are very excited to share this year's winner, The Perfume Thief by local author Timothy Shoffert. Now's a great time to pick up the book and join us for Omaha Reads programming in September and October. We've got a great slate of programs scheduled this year, including community book discussions, an in-person author event, and a community panel discussion. Check out the event calendar at omahalibrary.org for all of the details. The following episode was recorded in August 2021, shortly after the release of The Perfume Thief. On the special mini episode of The Book Drop, we welcome local author Timothy Schaffer and OPL's Adult Services Manager Amy Mather to talk about Timothy's latest book, The Perfume Thief. We also chat about the history of Omaha's Lit Fest, the writing process, and our favorite perfume scents. This is The Book Drop. Hello, and welcome to The Book Drop, Omaha Public Library's podcast about books, our community, and the joy of reading. I'm Erin Dewar, the Readers and Writers Librarian for OPL, and I am here with a couple guests today. Amy Mather, tell everybody who you are. My name is Amy Mather. I'm the Adult Services Manager for Omaha Public Library. I oversee brilliant subject librarians and also bigger events, such as author events, And I'm so excited today to introduce Timothy Shoffert, who I love so much. And Timothy, why don't you tell everybody who you are and all the amazing things that you do? Sure. Well, I'm here uh, as a guest of this program because I just published a novel called The Perfume Thief, which is my sixth novel. And um, I am a professor of creative writing and uh, and English literature at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. And I've uh, lived in Omaha for a couple of decades and grew up in a farm in Nebraska. And so, yes, I'm a writer and a, and a teacher and, uh, and a reader. That is right. And I first met you, Timothy, at LitFest. And that was one of your big, you, you, it was born out of your um, idea. You had it in your backyard for that first year. And it was mostly for writers. Would you say that? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it was a kind of a we did a theme every year and I kind of curated it according to a certain um, peculiarity, I guess, or some uh, perverse interest or whatnot. And uh, yeah, and the library indulged me and we, we we would have it here in the fall every year for about 11 years, maybe, or 12, maybe even. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And we brought writers in from all over and, uh, and um yeah, we did a lot of uh, panel discussions and art shows, and it was it was a real hodgepodge of stuff. And that was when I first met you, and that's and I just moved to Omaha, and I was like, "What in the world is this? This is an amazing event at the library. I am sold on Omaha." And then we became fast friends, and um, I love that. And one of the fun things that I, and we're going to dig into the writing process on uh, the show. So I really, I've been reflecting back because your new book, The Perfume Thief, and I remember uh, a few years back that we had this amazing themed lip vest and it was called Possessions, Literary Characters, and the Things They Carried. And I was obsessed with 
perfume at the time. It was like as one of the things, but there were so many things that characters carry. So that was a really fun event to dig into. But what I want to get into a little bit more is, is thinking about the writing process. So people dig into characters, they dig into story, or they might dig into objects. So for, for Perfume Thief, what, let's dig into that a little bit. Mm -hmm. So what, what sparked this story? What, what was the nugget that really inspired you to write this? Well, you know, I, it, it was really the concept of, of the perfume, of the, of like the idea of like, well, what would a perfume thief steal? And how would they, would it be lucrative? And what, would it make any sense whatsoever? And the more I thought about it, the more I became captivated by the idea of like rare scents or, or, um, or, or non-existent scents and, and the, and the role that scent plays in nostalgia and memory. And so I just, fell down a number of rabbit holes in my pursuit of really idiosyncratic ways for my title character to, uh, things for her to steal, basically. Right. And would you say the object drove um, more of the inspiration and then you layered the character on top of that? Uh, yes, I would say so. That, that uh, finding, sort of searching through the history and mm -hmm. finding what I could um, whether it was from a, a, a book on um, uh, like essences and, and, and medicine and uh, flavor from like the, the 19th century or something more contemporary like Vogue magazine from the 20s or 30s. So, uh, so yeah, I, was, I, I started off just kind of compiling all the things that I think might might intrigue a perfume thief, um, or things that she could conceivably take from the world. And, and from that, she did, she did emerge. And, and who is she? Well, uh, her name is Clementine. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, she, so I guess also at one point I was thinking of the book in terms of Virginia Woolf's Orlando, mm -hmm. uh, which follows a character, uh, over a period of like 300 years, basically. So it's, it's fantasy to a certain degree, but I wanted to make it more realistic and imagine a character, uh, just follow her through her whole life as she changes identities and, um, and in some instances changing genders. And, uh, and so I, I, from that, I was thinking, oh, well, we'll start when she's born and then we'll, and she, we'll follow her most significant thefts <laughs> throughout yeah. her life. And so at one point, uh, so as I was mapping that out, I was thinking, oh, well, she should, it would be interesting if she was in Paris during the occupation mm -hmm. uh, by the Nazis and see how she would negotiate that situation. And, and then as I did more research into World War II, the more I felt like that really need to be the main focus of the book, that really need to be the present day of the book. Um, and so, so that is, and then she does reach back into the past and previous crimes throughout the book as well. Yeah. Well, I'm currently reading it, and I'm loving it. Good. <laughs> and do we call her Clem for short? Yeah, she goes by various names. Yeah, Clem and Clementine, and, and uh, the Nazi in the book calls her Charlie. So, Yes, she just gave up her tie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was a little upset about that. <laughs> she gets, yes, she, she's doing some dangerous stuff. Yes, she is. <laughs> yes. Um, so more about the writing process which is going to be funny that I'm going to ask this. So, but what question do you get about the writing process that you, that maybe annoy you or that you hate? You're like, Oh, <laughs> here's that question again. 
It's this one. Yeah, right. It's that question that you just asked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. You know, I, about the writing process, I'm not sure that that I am necessarily annoyed. It's just like sometimes it's really hard to really articulate certain aspects that are that aren't necessarily um that's what I'm looking for that that, that it, there's no practice behind it there's no um particular uh something that I can assert about certain things like imagination you know and 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 for me so much writing comes from imagination that as far as I'm concerned doesn't really have any practical <laughs> guide you know that it's not it's not drawn from um from uh, study or from uh, it's it's not particularly deliberate right. I guess and so um so it's it's so it's a lot of times when I'm trying to apply answers about process uh, it's kind of made up to a certain degree you know I'm like right. I'm, I'm, mad, I'm I'm thinking well maybe this is what was going on but uh but when I'm writing I'm very much into that the world of the imagination and and a lot of times I'm fixing it later you know what I mean so like I'm writing towards whatever it is that I'm writing towards the the, the magical whatever and then when you decide that okay I'm going to pursue readers for this book then I have then I become sensitive to what readers might want to read and what they'll have patience for right. and what the publishing industry is looking for and so there does become a kind of business aspect that comes into play yeah is there like an idea of writing that you from your students that maybe they come in with that you would like to dissuade them of? Yeah, I mean, sometimes so you have students coming into the classroom for all different reasons, and yeah. sometimes they're really serious, and sometimes they really just they might be taking a completely different major and they see creative writing as uh, as a personal expression, like an opportunity mm-hmm. within their schedule that allows them to. Uh, to indulge their imagination and to, to, to play a little bit as opposed to just kind of thinking constantly about career and the future yeah. and professionalizing. And so, um, and I, and I think that's terrific. And I think some of the students eventually when they get into the classroom and once they recognize that, uh, that there is craft, that there is consideration, that there is business of, 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 of putting it all together, that then sometimes they think, oh, well, maybe this is a professional direction and maybe I can have a literary life that's, yeah. um, that's not necessarily about, uh, selling a best you know having a best-selling novel right. i guess that's maybe an answer to your question the students who think that that you write a book and then you sell it and then it's you're rich <laughs> right, right yeah and so there, there are people a lot of people who think that um that that, that there is a kind of immediate success just just by finishing the book, they don't realize that lots of people finish books, and that and then ultimately lots of books are published as well. And so it's just um, that uh, that if you can imagine, like I said, a literary life where you can write and do things that are parallel and that uh, keep your imagination active and keep you engaged with books, then. Um, then that's that's really the goal, I think. Yeah. Like working in a library, you know, <laughs> or um, in a bookstore, or writing for a magazine, you know. I love the idea that like students might come in just because like it fits in their schedule, or they're maybe just like need an outlet, and then maybe it actually does become more. That's such a lovely idea. Yeah, I mean, and that's what we try to do too, is like to kind of surprise them in the mm-hmm. class and get them talking about uh, fiction in a way that they 
perhaps haven't before. Mm-hmm. A lot of students I know come in because they've fallen in love with the book. And for a while, it was Harry Potter. You know, a lot of our students <laughs> were motivated to write because of <laughs> Harry Potter. And I, um, and it's, I don't know that that's quite as regular as, as it was, but, but certainly, but they are still reading and, and drawing their sense of, of writing and being a writer from the books that they love. I have never read Harry Potter. You know, I haven't either. <laughs> <laughs> and I've seen the movies and I remember nothing. That's I don't in either. Them. <laughs> maybe one, maybe three. I don't know. It's a blend. I remember the little sock troll or whatever. He collected socks. But that's about it. <laughs> How funny. I really want to take your class, by the way. Well, I think, I mean. Please don't fail me. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I don't regularly fail students. Um, they, they have to work really hard at not being engaged to fail one of my classes. But, um, but yeah, I mean, and, and we were talking about uh, objects and possessions right? and all of that. And I do a lot of that discussion in class, too. We do a lot of exercises about um, thinking about the things that, um, that, that you can describe that actually convey and portray the character and the character's sensibilities and and all that you can uh, draw from that as well. I mean, I even think about all the possessions that I have in my house, which are a few. (laughs) But the possessions I have, I feel like have a story behind it. And this is a story behind that possession that I love so much. Because if it didn't have a story, there's no reason for it to be in my house. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Um, or it speaks to some aesthetic, yeah. you know, that's, that, that says something about you as right. well. Um, so yeah, I think that, uh, and I, and I think at that exhibit that we had at the Lit Fest, we had artists interpreting various objects yes. and things. And, and so I do give my students like lists of, of objects from literature to, to think about and to, to, to discuss. Oh, that sounds so much fun. Well, there's, uh, and like, one of, one of my favorites or one of the earliest, which is the Scarlet Letter, of course, which has this lovely description. Um, I wish I could recite it from memory. Uh, in the, in the books, there's, there's a kind of, if, if you recall, there's a kind of foreword or an introduction to the book that is actually, um, a, a, a character in the book, uh, describing the, the incidents that are about to, to occur in the novel. And, and he describes the, the Scarlet Letter itself, and, and as an object, and just such a delicious, lush description um, of what is really one of the most significant, probably, objects in literature. Right. Wow. Next question: What was the best money you ever spent as a writer? You know, I have to say that every dime I spent towards going to New York. Is, <laughs> I knew you were going to say New York. I knew it. <laughs> and for a number of reasons, some practical because, um, you know, I have uh, happened to, to meet people through various avenues and to be in the city and to actually have conversations with people sometimes leads to to interesting things and partnerships and further discussions. And plus just New York is just the literary city of, of I'll say it, of the world. <laughs> and, and so it has so much history and so much character, and I just I can't get enough of it. So and, and I think when you go, especially when you live in Nebraska, which is um, 
you know, as, about as far from each coast as you can possibly get <laughs> on a daily basis. Um, to be able to really be in, in the thick of it is exciting. Right. It really fires up different um, imagination points mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. your brain and the ideas, I would imagine, be flowing. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a writer support system? First readers? And I imagine you have a ton of writer friends. Well, you know, I actually, when I'm working on something, I don't share it generally, except I'll talk about it with my husband, Rodney. And um, so he's in the writing process. I'm always in conversation with him and he will make connections that I haven't made that he'll then kind of bounce back at me and ends up being vital really to the development of the book. And so, and sometimes he'll have heard something or he'll know, he's a very practical minded person. And so Agreed. sometimes, so, so, so something that's kind of ethereal that I've come up with, he'll remember something that's, that kind of grounds it in a way that just helps me understand it more. Uh, one of my colleagues at the university, Melissa Homestead, just published a book about the creative partnership between Willa Cather and her uh, 40-year partner, Edith Lewis. And um, it's and so the, the book actually focuses on the role that, that Edith, as an editor and a writer herself of advertising, played on Cather's writing and the role that Cather's writing influenced Edith's career. And it's it's... I find it just kind of profoundly exciting to read about that. And I'm not sure I've ever read any other book that has a creative partnership outlined in that way. And so Melissa spent, you know, 18 years working on this book and finding everything that she could. And it made me think as I was reading it, I'm like, well, I need to document some of the influence for my own creative partnership. (laughs) Because otherwise it's, it's, I mean, all of that's so ethereal. It just kind of goes away but there's i mean i can go through the books and mark things you know that sure that came from um really came from rodney and from those conversations plus rodney's hilarious yes. <laughs> himself he's quite the following on facebook <laughs> yes yes <laughs> So each week on the book drop, we do a a query of the week, and I didn't choose one ahead of time, but I thought, I know Mather, Amy is obsessed with perfume, and considering that's the theme of the book, um, what is your favorite perfume, both of you, if you have one? Oh my gosh. That's a... Um, You know, I... It's... Well, this... (laughs) It's so, it's so hard. hard. The thing about I didn't think it'd be that this, hard. I thought you'd be no, like I this know. one. Right? There's so many different qualities to perfume. I know. Yeah. There's the scent of it itself, and then there's the, I the, the do material. More the scent elements. more yeah. than I can actually do perfume. Okay. Some of the one of the perfumes that I love, I'm not even sure if they're making that scent, and it's a. Um, and I'm gonna. It's La Artisium La Parfumée. Oh, you know, they're yeah. in New York. I can't, you'll have to cut that out because I can't speak <laughs> French words. Um, but it's a green tea. But I would say oh. my scent of choice is rose. Mm. Absolutely classic rose is my favorite scent, hands down. Yes, and hence the, the perfume industry in southern France and those beautiful rose right. fields. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
uh, I mean, I get the. So I'm wearing something right now. Can you mm-hmm. smell it? It's um, mm. it's called Tom of Finland. <laughs> Tom of Finland was an artist who did uh, like in the gosh, 50s and 60s a lot of um, uh, illustration for gay magazines. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it would be regarded as pornographic. A lot of it would be regarded as pornographic. Uh, but this perfume is uh, made by a, a French. A perfumer, um, Etal Libre d'Orange, yeah. and uh, and they do all kinds of provocative scents and name them in interesting ways. And so that this is the scent that I'm wearing lately. And I have another one, Serge yeah. Lutens. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. a good one. Um, I also I liked an old standby is one called Blenheim Bouquet from Penhaligons, uh, which has which to me smells like gin. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so I wear it when I'm in a particular uh, frame of mind. <laughs> well, I love gin, but I come to work and he'd be like, "You need to have a talk from my boss." <laughs> Yes, proceed with caution. <laughs> exactly. You know what? I was thinking about scents because you asked that question, Aaron, and I was thinking about scents that you wore as a teenager oh, sure. or <laughs> as a young adult. So I remember, I think it was called Baby Love Soft. Baby Soft. Yes. Yes. Because mm-hmm. yes, that's from our era. Yes. <laughs> right, right. And then in college, I wore a lot of Critzia and. Oh, um, right. Paloma Picasso. Oh, Do you remember yeah, that? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> and I feel like there's another one that was, oh, Poison. Oh, yes, for sure. Which I would never wear. Sorry, Poison. <laughs> Again. <laughs> right. Because the, it's quite the smell. It's dramatic. It's yeah. very dramatic. <laughs> the only one I remember from like growing up in like my teen years was like Curve for, I. Oh, it's yes. like a, You'd buy it at the mall, right? And oh, I think you can still buy it. At the mall. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go find it. <laughs> oh goodness! Yeah, awesome. You can get more of this conversation with Amy and Timothy at Timothy's virtual author visit on August fifth at six p.m. You can find information and the link to register on our website. It will be hosted on Crowdcast. Everything we talked about, I think we talked about a couple books. I will link those in this episode description so everybody can find them, including Melissa Homestead's book that Timothy mentioned. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Awesome. (laughs) Timothy, thank you for being here. Thank you so much. This is fun. It was so much fun. (laughs) Our inaugural first mini episode (laughs) of the writing process. Ooh, is that what you want to call it? Maybe. I like it. I kind of like it. I can work for it. It works. Yeah. Uh, thanks for joining us on The Book Drop. The Book Drop is produced by Omaha Public Library. Our theme music is Trapped in Amber, courtesy of the band Lucid Fugue. Don't forget to subscribe to The Book Drop on your favorite podcast app and like and follow Omaha Public Library on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'll talk to you next time on The Book Drop. <laughs>